Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily Edition, Wednesday, January 19th. And the bleeding has not stopped. The Flyers have now gone winless in nine straight games. Ten-game winless streak, seven-game point streak, now nine-game winless streak once again. As the frustration continues, this time in a nine-round shootout where the Flyers weren't able to get anything in the shootout by Semyon Barlamov. Only one gets by Carter Hart. That's the last one, and that is the difference in the game. Oliver Wallstrom, in the ninth round of the shootout, was able to slide one, was able to get one by Carter Hart. That gave the Islanders the two points, and the Flyers get the one point and the shootout loss. They end up out shooting the Islanders in the game 34-31. They won the faceoff battle 37-29. They outhit the Islanders 27-25. They had a power play goal. They played a good hockey game for the most part. It wasn't perfect, but it was a very good game. It was an entertaining hockey game. We haven't even, during this winless skid, and obviously the other winless skid, which was much more lopsided, it seemed, in play from you know, losing those games by scores of 7-1, to 7-5 to five against Colorado. Some tough you know, games where they gave up a lot of goals and didn't score a lot. This last couple of games for the Flyers, they've been playing tight games, but they've had that one spot in the game where there's a mental lapse or uh, a crisis of confidence, whatever it might be, a detailed play, and it costs them. In this game, though, it was a good hockey game. The first period, Flyers came out of it tied. Robin Salo opened up the scoring for the Islanders two minutes and eight seconds in. The Flyers responded, though. They played very well right after that. They didn't collapse on that. And this is weird. Like, this this shouldn't be a feather in their cap that they're not collapsing or falling apart when something bad happens. That should be a trait. That shouldn't be uh, something that we need to point out. But at this point, it is. So Salo scores early, but the Flyers control a lot of the play in the first period. They outshoot the Islanders in the first period 12-7, and they come out of it after getting a power play goal at 14-39 from James Van Riemsdyk. They come out of it tied at 1. We headed the second period. Flyers again really controlling the period. Possession, they have the puck in the Islanders' zone much more than they have it in their own zone. They're getting in on the forecheck. They're creating good opportunities. They're doing the little things right, the detail plays. But at 13:28, Josh Bailey is able to outmuscle Travis Sanheim and get a puck past Carter Hart after he kicks it out of his feet on a, a pass from Anthony Bavillier out of the corner. That put the Islanders up two to one in the game. But 26 seconds later, the Flyers answer. They go out with a real good shift. It was the Scott Lawton, Oscar Lindblom, Travis Konechny line. And they get the puck deep. Varlamov goes behind the net, tries to quick six-foot pass to one of his defensemen. But Flyers get two guys in on the forecheck. Lindblom and Lawton just absolutely blows the play up. Gets it off the stick of Lindblom, falls in front. Konechny's driving the net. He sees the chaos. He goes to the right spot. He puts it in. Flyers tie the game. Head to the third period. Flyers grab their first lead at 4.05 into the third period when Joel Farabee and uh, Cam Atkinson eventually get it to Claude Giroux. He's able to split the Islander defense, go in and put it by Varlamov, gives the Flyers their first lead of the game. But at 15.32, good play by the Islanders. Sezikis uh, redirects a puck past Carter Hart. Now, a couple things. Again, 
dealing with adversity in those adverse moments in games is something that has been a, a trait of this team that's not positive. Too many times the adversity has struck and they have not rebounded from it and the adversity caused uh, a spiral. That didn't happen in this game because before even the Flyers got the game tied on James Van Riemsdyk's power play goal, Joel Farabee had scored a goal. Islanders challenged it, and it was offside minimally, but it's offside, and they didn't let that deter them. They got right back up, and a couple minutes later, uh, they get the goal. I believe the Farabee goal that was called back was at about the 11-minute mark, and they scored at 14:39. So they dealt with adversity incredibly well in this game. And through regulation, this is a hard-fought game back and forth. They go into overtime. They get outshot in the overtime, 6-2. to two. Carter Hart made some stellar saves in uh, the overtime. Uh, the only two saves that Varlamov had to make, both good ones as well. It was an entertaining overtime, and I'm not a person that likes three-on-three hockey a whole heck of a lot because I don't like the fact that the other team can bring the puck out of the zone if they don't see something they like. It, can, it tends to look sometimes to me overcoached. And this three-on-three had some back and forth. There were some good opportunities, but ultimately it ends in a tie, and we go to the shootout. And in the shootout, the goaltending at both ends, Semyon Barlamov and Carter Hart, was excellent. Now, the Flyers did shoot wide a couple of times, um, but when goalies in the shootout are really on it, the, the opposition players are doing everything they can to, be, to make the perfect shot. And that's when you shoot wide. And... No Flyers are able to score through nine rounds of the shootout. Here's who went for the Flyers. Travis Konechny, Claude Giroux, Cam Atkinson, Joel Farabee, Scott Lawton, Morgan Frost, James Van Riemsdyk, Jerry Mayhew, Ivan Provorov. And for the Islanders, eventually they get down to Oliver Wallstrom in the ninth round. He gets the only goal of the shootout, and the Islanders win the game 4-3. to three. And obviously, it's frustrating. As a fan, as... You know, observers, I thought they deserved a better fate in this game, but they're in this position, and they've now gone winless in nine straight games. We're not at the midway point, and they're knocking on the door of not a first, but a second 10-game winless skid already this season. It's astounding. And Thursday, it's the return of Jake Voracek, and Thursday— they got to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, the team ahead of them in the standings, to avoid that second game, 10-game winless skid. Will they do it? Well, we shall see. But the frustration continues. So let's get to the captain, Claude Giroux. He had a goal and an assist in the game. Here's what he had to say to the media after. Hey, Claude. Um, you guys played with a lot of pride tonight, obviously. Um, maybe one of your better games in in, in, in some time and you still don't get rewarded. I, I, I guess the, the question is how do you maintain that level of playing the right way uh, when you, when you don't get the win, like you guys probably feel like you deserve at this point. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we know we're playing the right way right now, you know, tonight maybe we did deserve to win, but you know, at, at this point we're just finding ways to, to lose hockey games, but at the same time, we're, uh, we're confident that if we keep playing this way and keep playing like that for 60 minutes, we're gonna we're gonna start winning hockey games and uh, win a few in a row. So, you know, as as frustrating as we are about the result, um, we gotta keep keep building on our game and keep 
doing the right things and we're going to get rewarded. Yeah, Claude. Um, talk to most hockey players and they'll say that, you know, the shootout is kind of a, a coin flip type of thing, but you guys have lost all four shootouts this year. You haven't scored a goal yet as a team yet on the shootout, I guess. Does confidence play into that or is it just not the way the puck is bouncing for you guys? Uh, I don't think it's about confidence. It's about scoring more goals than them in the shootout. And we're not doing that right now. And, you know, Hartsy kept us in there to to keep uh, trying to get a goal. Couldn't, couldn't get it done. And, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's on us, the forwards, to, or the players that go on to shoot out to just get it done. And, you know, Hartsy did a great job tonight in the shootout, and we just got to find a way to get one. Hey, Claude. A lot of people are probably going to look at the 10-game skid and, and look at this skid now at nine games and, and probably think there's no chance you guys can make the playoffs. Where's the belief that in your guys' room that, that you guys can still make something of this season? Yeah, I'm a strong believer in not looking at the big picture, and that's basically looking at it. So for us, it's get ready for Columbus next game, go one game at a time, and uh, we keep playing the, uh, the right way, uh, keep battling together as a team. Um, and then we can start looking at the standings, but you know it's no, uh, it's not a secret that we're uh, we're far off. But I mean, for us, we just keep battling, keep winning hockey games, and just climb up and uh, just climb back into uh, uh, playoff standings. Hey, Claude. Um, obviously, you guys, as it's gone the past little bit, have had a kind of tough time responding right away to another team's goal. You know, you guys go back down. I think it was about 26 seconds later, and get the get the goal down there again. What kind of felt different in this moment? And you guys kind of feeling the confidence in that regard that you are able to battle back quickly like that? No, you're right. I think uh, whatever we score or they score, it doesn't matter. We uh, we keep uh, we keep playing the way we want to play. Uh, keep pressuring, and uh, you know it. It, it doesn't matter to score. It doesn't matter if you're, they just scored or we scored. We just got to keep playing the same way. And uh, we know that. So uh, I think the last few games have been pretty good for that. You know, the one thing I like that Jeru said there was we can't, I can't look big picture. I have to just look at the next game. And as players, they got to, they can't look big picture or at least verbalize it. You know, they kind of look big picture because you know the situation. He knows where they are in the standings. He's lived it. And he knows how difficult it would be to even get back into any sort of conversation about trying to make the postseason. But he's got to go just what's in front of him. Control what you can control, and what's in front of you is the next game. And that's Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, I wanted to bring up this DM that I got from a guy on Twitter because I thought it was a really interesting question. Peter Beam is the guy's name. He tweeted me, at Beam El Sueno. I hope I said it right. And he said, uh, just out of the blue, I've never DM'd with Peter before, but he said, assuming he's not currently employed, does it make sense to get your new or next coach and hopefully long-term coach in now to allow the players to learn the system throughout the rest of this, I can't believe I'm typing this, he said, meaningless year. He said, I like Mike Yo, but I think he was dealt an unwinnable hand, but can't see how you bring him back. So, okay, so let's think about that real quick. You know, assuming the next coach is not employed, that he's not obviously coaching on a team right now, does it make sense to go out and get that guy and hire him now? First of all, I don't think that that person would want to be hired right now. 
other than just to have a job and start getting paid. But coaches, A, like to have a training camp. B, why would a coach want to come here now uh, in a season that is sideways for the Flyers and attach himself to it without having the advantage of a training camp? Coupled with if a team has a season that goes very sideways like this Flyer season, and maybe it's not sideways, this is just is what they are right now, there's going to be obviously some serious turnover in the roster in the offseason. Why come in and try and get it? Just to me, it just doesn't make much sense for the candidate, for the coach, the next coach, if it wasn't Mike Yo. You know, players can adjust to a new system pretty quickly. It's not. It's not like, you know, they speak English and you're teaching them Mandarin. That's a new hockey system isn't like learning a new language. Learning a new hockey system is just the details and, you know, the repetition of a coach telling you what he wants, what his expectation is. Because guys in the NHL, they've played a 2-1-2. They've played a 1-2-2. Some maybe have played a 1-3-1, whatever. They all know how to play those systems. It's the intricate details from each coach on how he wants, you know, regroups or transition plays or philosophical things. So learning the system, there is something there. I think it's more learning the system with the players that you have, where the guys that you play with want pucks, where they'll be with and without the puck, what their tendencies are more so with a new system than it is learning a new system. But I think, you know, the next coach, you know, also whoever it is, whether it's Mike Yo, whether it's John Tortorella, whether it's Rick Tockett, whether it's David Quinn, whether it's Mike Babcock, whoever, whoever that next coach is, you have to, before you make that decision, you have to determine what your team is and what you want them to be, how you're going to construct that team. Are you a speed team that is going to try and score off the rush? Or are you going to be a bigger team like the Islanders that is powerful and makes it really difficult around the opposition net? What are you going to be? What's the style? What is the DNA? What is the identity that you're trying to forge? Because some coaches are good at certain things. Some coaches are good for a veteran group. Some coaches are good for a group of gritty guys that likes to block shots and get in the lanes of pucks and be physical. Some coaches are good at a finesse game because that's what they believe, so they coach to their core values. Some are good for veteran players. Some are good for young players and developing groups. Um, So I think the most important thing and the most important element, and this is what I said to Peter, is to figure out and lock down exactly what you're trying to do, what you want to be, what you're going to be, that not only you're going to assemble roster of players that can execute your vision, but what is the vision? Are you a big, heavy team like the the Ducks and the Kings and the Sharks in the mid-2000s? Are you a finesse team? you, you got to figure that out. Then you put your list together of possible coaches, and you that, and you find the one that can get the most out of that vision and plan. So 
I don't think it's beneficial to grab that coach now. I really don't. And I don't think any coach wants to have that attachment when a season has gone like this for the Flyers to come in now and already be judged on something you have very little control over. And there's very little control if you come in at this point without a training camp, without the ability to preach your message from day one. To preach it right now at a season for a coach, I mean, players at this point, the message is just not as well received. So I think it's more likely an off-season thing where that decision will come. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this edition of Flyers Daily. Flyers back at it coming up on Thursday. The return of Jake Voracek. More on that in tomorrow's episode. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you in the next edition of Flyers Daily.